She's Tori. And he's Nick. And this is I Want to Rewatch. An X-Files podcast, season two. Episode 17. Endgame. So since this is a two-parter, I just want to do a two-parter for what we talked about last time. And again, we're not going to do this all the time. But I just want to remind everybody that, like, if you want to help out the podcast, like, rating and reviewing the podcast is awesome. The links are in our show notes. I say the links. There's actually one link. We have a link tree link that actually has the links for where you can listen, where you can support us. And it also has a link for our merch page because we have T-shirts and stickers and stuff. So if Yeah, we have some really cool, cool T-shirts stuff. that Nick designed. So. So, some pretty sweet ones on there check them out yep so everything's in our show notes you can check all that and let's get into the episode okay sounds good in this episode it's our first ever last time on montage and we see a ufo crash into the sea and a group of clone doctors asking for help and scully answering her phone to find Mulder on the other line except he's also in the room with her so what will happen next? I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. This episode was written by Frank Spotnitz, and it was directed by Rob Bowman. It was filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia. Its original air date was Friday, February 17th, 1995. And it had a viewership of 17.5 million in the United States, up 1.6 million from last week. Nice. So a lot of people tuned in who had no idea what happened last week. That's fine. Yes. And to go back to something that I mentioned on Irresistible, I had mentioned that I thought maybe like Scully's scene in the therapy was like maybe it was sweeps week. And that's why she was getting all like the emoting in and they were like going for an Emmy. Well, one sweeps week is really just for ads. It has nothing to do with Emmys because any episode can get an Emmy. It's not like, you know, there's a season for Emmy nominations. But also, this two-parter did take place during Sweeps Week. Okay. And I don't know if it's Sweeps Week or if it's Sweeps and it's a month. I thought it was more than one week. I didn't go back and look for information on when it actually took place in 95. But I know at least one of these episodes was during a Sweeps period, whether it was a week or a two-week period. So episode 13 could not have been during Sweeps, even if it was a month, because that would still be too long. Gotcha. All right, so we are in the Beaufort Sea, 87 miles north of Dead Horse, Alaska. I think we were in the Beaufort Sea last time, too, when we started. Yes. We had a freighter ship. But this time, all we see is like an ice shelf, and then we go beneath the ice into the water. And we find out it's the USS Allegiance, and it's cruising at a depth of 1,000 feet. So it's a submarine. And the captain is hurrying through like the tunnels of the sub and he goes up a ladder and he reaches a man at a radar station and he asks what he's got. And the sailor tells him there's something 200 meters below the ice, just kind of like hanging there, like in the water, not moving. And it's approximately 80 meters long and it's noisy. It's emitting radio signals across the spectrum, but it just appears to be like random noise. They can't detect any pattern. So the captain calls Pacific Command on the radio phone and tells the admiral about what they found. And the admiral asks the captain a question, and the captain answers when they get one side of the phone call. So, and then apparently the admiral gives him some orders, and he's like, but we're on a cartography mission. My crew isn't prepared to, and he's like, yes, sir, yes, sir, understood. 
So then he runs over to like the, I guess like the engineer dude, and he tells him to set a course towards the object and that they should be ready to fire on command. And then the radar guard is like, shouldn't we try to identify it first? And then the captain says, no, we have our orders. But then suddenly, like soon as basically they like lock target, then there's a super irritating like noise across more high pitched and louder and everyone's like ah grabbing their ears and then equipment starts like flashing and sparks and all that kind of stuff and then all the power goes out and then the emergency battery power comes back up so it's all like cool like red light like they're in a big dark room and the captain tries to call the engine room but there's no answer because there's not enough power i guess to run the phones and he says he's going to run down there and he tells the others to prepare to surface at once and then the one sailor's like surface into what we're under 32 feet of glacial ice. And then it's the theme song. Ooh. Yep. So it's probably aliens. Probably. It probably is. Yep. So Gary Davy, he plays the sub captain, and he might be recognizable as Dr. Keats from Roland. He's the one who got his head frozen. Oh. So. Yeah. Cool. He also, apparently, I had to go back and check. He, because I wasn't sure who this character was, but when I was looking at his credits, he also was an Eve and he's credited as Hunter, but he's actually the trucker who had the shotgun when they're trying to get the oh, Eves. Okay, yeah. He's like, yeah. but he has like, but his hair's like almost like buzzed completely off and he has like just stubble. He doesn't have a beard in that one. And he doesn't, he's not wearing, he's not wearing glasses in this when he was, when he was Dr. Keys, he's wearing glasses and had the beard. But in that one, he has like just stubble and then like his hair is really close, almost like he's bald basically. So he looks a bit different, which is why I could not figure out who he was. So he's going to appear in one more episode and then he'll be in two episodes of Millennium. And Tori might like this. He is also the artistic director for the William B. Davis Center for Actor Study, which is a apparently a thing that exists so that's i had no idea that was the thing but that's cool i like that yeah. that exists yeah nice the cigarette smoking man school of acting basically <laughs> so i would go there <laughs> they teach you how to smoke <laughs> how to smoke like you mean it and, and put it out after one puff yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> how to smoke dramatically and passive aggressively at skinner so then we're at Vacation Village Motor Lodge in Germantown, Virginia. And obviously, we kind of get a little of the scene we saw last time. And so Scully takes an awkward second on the phone. And Mulder is still like, Scully, Scully, you know, whatever. And she's just like, no, sorry, and hangs up. She's like, I think Jillian Anderson is a good actress, but Dana Scully is not a good actress. <laughs> so fake Mulder asks who it was. And she's like, oh, it's just a wrong number. And then she asks Mulder where he's been. And Scully's like, why didn't you call? And she kind of puts her phone out on the bed. And then as she does, she grabs for her gun. And she picks it up and holds it on fake Mulder. And she tells him to put his hands against the wall. And he's like, what are you doing? What's wrong? And she repeats the order. So he does turn around. And he puts his hands on the wall. And he's like, Scully, it's me. And she tells him she doesn't know who he is. And he tells her he's going to reach into his pocket and get his ID. And she's like, keep your hands up. And he spins around and he clocks her in the face. And he clocks her pretty hard because she like flies against the wall and like she drops the gun in the process. And then fake Mulder is like, where is he? Where is he? And she reaches for her gun and he grabs her by the scruff of the shirt and lifts her off the ground. And fake Mulder is like, that was him on the phone, wasn't it? Tell me where he is. And Scully insists she doesn't know what he's talking about. 
And then he throws her against this glass top table and she crashes through it. And then fake Mulder's face morphs back into the alien assassin. Hmm. Guess we know which Mulder is the real Mulder now, and it's not the one in the room with Scully. So that's not. Yeah, good. I was going to say you're all fake Mulder, fake Mulder. I'm like, well, we don't really know which Mulder is which. Not not at first, but fake Mulder could have been the one on the phone. So, yeah, hmm. could have been. But guess we know now. I mean, we kind of figured it out before he like face morphed, honestly. But right. Yeah. I don't think Mulder can actually lift Although... her off the ground and throw her across the room, but. No, although there is one second where he's like, no, it's me. I'm going to reach for my ID where I was like, wait, is that the real Mulder? But, you know, it's pretty quick. So later after dark, Mulder bursts into Scully's motel room after a quick knock. So it kind of knocks and boom, knock the door. And the lights aren't working. And Sam is with him. And from the doorway, she's like, he's been here. And Mulder gets the desk lamp to work. And then he kind of uses it like a flashlight, like just kind of swinging it around the room, like as a torch kind of thing. Yeah. And he looks around, but the room is just a mess. And Scully isn't there. And Sam says Scully is alive, that he took Scully to trade for her. And Mulder says there's no sign of the door being broken in. And Scully wouldn't have just let anyone in. And Sam says that she might not have known who it was. She might have even thought that it was you. So, mm-hmm. so as they head back to their car, Sam tells Mulder the alien assassin will contact him and say that he wants to make a trade. Scully for her. And Mulder asks why he wants Sam. And Sam says because she knows how to kill him by piercing the base of his skull. And he's like, that would kill anybody. And she's like, yes, but it's the only way to kill him. But it has to be precise, but she's fairly sure it'll work. And he's like, fairly sure and you know she's like yeah but if it doesn't work then he could kill Mulder so she tells him their blood is toxic and that human exposure to it is fatal so we always get that from what happened to Agent Weiss right Mm -hmm. so apparently he didn't actually kill Weiss just the blood killed him so hmm, okay so Sam says she knows this must seem incredible but Mulder says no it doesn't seem incredible at all he just wants to know how to find the assassin. And she's like, he'll find us. So then they're back at Mulder's apartment and Mulder is pacing back and forth. And the clock shows that it's 1238 AM. Sam assures him the assassin will call. Sam says that she knows this is hard for him, but he says, it's not hard. It's unbelievable. I've 22 years. Why come back? And Sam says, like, I explained that to you. And Mulder's like, no, all you did was tell me what you had to tell me. Like, I don't know anything about your adoptive parents or the man who wants to kill them. So Sam tells him that the clones that we've been seeing are the progeny of two original visitors and that they're attempting to establish a colony here. And so they have clones all over the country in every major city. And they believe the stewardship of the planet has been forsaken and so, therefore, they will end up becoming his heirs. Right. And Mulder's like, well, in the meantime, like, what do they want right now? And Sam says they're trying to erase their identical natures because that forces them to scatter. Since, obviously, a bunch of identical people can't be in the same place or it would raise questions. And he asks why all the clones work at abortion clinics. And she says it's because of access to fetal tissue. They finally found a way to combine human DNA with alien DNA. And Mulder asks why the assassin is after them. And she tells them the experiments aren't sanctioned and they're kind of considered a dilution of their race. So the bounty hunter was sent to terminate the colony. And Mulder's like, okay, yeah, that's a good story, but I've heard a lot of good stories lately. 
And Sam insists she has no reason to lie to him. She's his sister and he has to trust her. Yeah, I get it, but I kind of don't like the fact that they made it like they're going to be an abortion clinic so they can have access to fetal tissue because that's one of the arguments that people make about abortion. It's like, oh, the government's using their their DNA for weird experiments. And it's like, now you're on a TV show, you're saying that's what the government's doing. Well, not the government, right. but you know what I mean? It's kind of like, oh, it just kind of... Ugh. But, and I am actually very pro fetal tissue experiments and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I see what you're saying, like in terms of how it portrays it to. Yeah. Well, because I mean, the way they frame it, they're always like, oh, they're like torturing right. babies. It's like, and, no, they're, that's not how stuff. It it's like, yeah. It just maybe like that's one of those things that people say that's kind of like, no. Uh, no. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so someone knocks on the door and Mulder gestures for Sam to be quiet and he gets his gun off the table and he asks who it is. And like outside, we see that it's Skinner and he identifies himself and Mulder gives Sam a look. And so she goes to hide and Mulder's like, doors open. And so Skinner walks in and the apartment is pitch black and Mulder's sitting on the sofa and he's like, make yourself at home. And Skinner's like, uh, what's going on? And then Mulder jumps out with a cross and a stake and a mallet. And I mean, like, ah! it feels that way, right? And Mulder jokes about how he's under orders from his ophthalmologist and Skinner's like, are you all right? Cause like, obviously this is weird. And we see Sam is creeping up behind Skinner and Skinner's like, I've been trying to reach you in Scully. And he's like, are you aware that Scully incarcerated four men with the federal marshal's office? And those men are now missing. And we see Sam has like a sharp object, which is a lot like the alien stiletto, like his little needle weapon. And then the lights turn on and Skinner turns around. And Mulder gets up and he's holding his gun on Skinner, but Sam's like, it's not the assassin. And Skinner, again, reasonably, is like, what the hell is going on? And Mulder's like, that's my sister, Samantha Mulder. And Skinner's like, what? And Mulder doesn't have time to explain. Scully's missing. And Skinner asks what that means, but then the phone rings. So poor Skinner's just like, <laughs> walks into this dark apartment, is getting stuff thrown at him, and is like, what the heck is happening? And so on the phone, it's Scully. And like, we do kind of flash between her and Mulder and she's in a phone booth and she's bloody and Mulder asks where she is. And she says she's in a telephone booth and that the assassin has her gun and he'll kill her if Mulder doesn't give him what he wants. And Mulder asks what that is. And Scully says, a woman who's with you. He says, you'll know what I'm talking about. And Mulder wants to negotiate, but the assassin does not. And so Scully tells him he needs to be at the Memorial Bridge in Bethesda in one hour. And Mulder's like, I need more time. And then the assassin reaches over and he presses down the receiver. So he hangs up the call and Mulder kind of shakes his phone. And Skinner again is like, what is happening? And Mulder's like, I have no time to explain. I need your trust. Yeah. He's like, if I ever needed your trust, I need it now or something like that. Yes. Yeah. 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 So then we are at Old Memorial Bridge in Bethesda, Maryland. And a car pulls onto the bridge, and then we see Skinner and a guy in a ski cap with a rifle, with a scope, like, off to the side, like, in the brush or something like that, away from the bridge. So it's like Skinner and a sniper, basically. And Skinner tells someone on radio that Mulder is in position. So they've obviously got, like, the bridge staked out, I guess. And in the car that we saw pull up on the bridge, it's Mulder and Sam. And Mulder tells Sam that they just need to get the assassin out of the car. And Sam reiterates that the bullet needs to pierce the base of his neck. And Mulder says the sniper they have can hollow a dime at 200 yards. So then another car approaches from the opposite side of the bridge. 
And Mulder tells Sam not to take any unnecessary risks. And then Mulder gets out of the car. So he gets out and he walks up. And then the assassin gets out of the vehicle and he has the gun pointed at Mulder the whole time. And then he pulls Scully out and then pulls her clothes and puts the gun to her head. He tells Mulder to bring her out. So Mulder turns back and nods to Sam. Sam gets out of the car and she stands by Mulder, nods at him, and then she walks towards the assassin. And then we cut to Skinner and Skinner tells the sniper to take the shot when he has it. So Sam stops a few feet in front of the assassin and he tells her to step closer. And then she does and he grabs her and he lets Scully go. And so Scully runs over to Mulder and through the sniper scope, we can see that it's trained on the assassin's head. Not necessarily the back of the neck, though, unfortunately, yeah. kind of like his ear, back of his ear kind of thing action going on. But Scully rushes forward and then Mulder asks if she's all right. She's like, yeah, I'm fine, even though she's probably not. And then she gets in the car. So the assassin holds Sam in front of him and the sniper almost has a headshot. But then Sam pulls out. She's got her own stabby stabby and she goes after the assassin. And of course, he just grabs her hand and stops her, you know, and then Mulder pulls his gun and says, like, you're never going to get out of here. We have both sides of the bridge covered. There's no way out. Then the assassin backs up a little and tells Sam to tell me where she is. And then since he backed up, his head is no longer behind one of the beams from the bridges. And the sniper tapes a shot. And then I think he gets hit because I think he kind of like, ugh, kind of thing. And then the assassin dives over the bridge with Sam and they go into the water. And then Scully's like, whoa, because she's in the car. She's like, oh, my God. And then Mulder runs to the bridge. He's like, Sam. But nobody comes up from the water. No. And then it's a commercial. Yep. He actually says Samantha. I don't remember. but I think he does. Yeah. But yeah. Sam's he easier to say. He basically calls her name. And... Yeah. Sam is. <laughs> yeah. But no one comes up, unfortunately. So yeah. not good. Yeah. So the sniper was previously a trucker who hit Peggy O'Dell in pilot. Okay. And then he'll also appear in an episode of Millennium and then one more episode of the X-Files, but not like till season five. So Okay. So the next morning, a dive team is in the river and Mulder's on the bridge, kind of looking over at them. And a green car pulls up and Scully gets out of the passenger seat. And he tells her she should be in the hospital. And she's like, well, I was discharged an hour ago. I kind of asked to come here. And she asks if they found anything, and they haven't. And he asks if Scully thinks Sam could have survived. And Scully says, maybe, but the water is like 36 degrees. And then Mulder mentions that he's read about people who have gone into hypothermic shock and have survived like 8 to 10 hours in those conditions. So clearly he's been thinking about ways that Sam could still be alive. Yeah, because he remembers that he's going to have a heart attack in the Arctic in the future. And so he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and i think i mean scully looks legitimately devastated there's a moment where it's on her face and she just looks like absolutely devastated and she asks why he didn't tell her on the phone that the woman was his sister and he says he couldn't because she'd never let him go through with the exchange and scully is then like are you sure it's really sam and Mulder gets kind of pissed he like whips around and he's angry and he's like why would you even question me on that and Scully explains that back at the motel, her attacker was him, but it wasn't him. And so she's not just questioning Mulder. She's saying that, you know, there are obviously things that can shift into other people. And Mulder insists that it was her. And Scully asks who the assassin is. And Mulder is just like, he's an alien. And he storms over to his car. And she asks if that's what he's going to tell Skinner. And Mulder's like, I already did. That was the easy part. 
now I have to tell my father and he gets into the car, which I mean, I get it. Mulder, you're not having a good day. (laughs) I mean, I don't think Scully's questions are out of line because given what she's experienced, I think it's a little, plus even if, even if there weren't shape-shifting aliens, the fact that a woman, you know, magically appears and claims to be your sister, that's something you definitely should question a little bit, no matter what. Yep. I guess going and getting like a, a blood test wouldn't have been something that could have been eat. I don't know. It's, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't fit the plot. I mean, so if they did that. Yeah. And they haven't exactly had a lot of time to do those things, but that's definitely no. something that should be on Mulder's list. Yeah. Well, like that, well, that would kind of mess up the script too. And so you got to think about like, when it like would. Story. Like, yeah. what we, like real life versus TV. Like we're trying to, you know, so. Right. And as we'll talk about later, Mulder's, thing is that he want when he wants to believe he wants to believe and he has a really hard time letting go yeah anyway so william Mulder, Mulder's dad arrives at Mulder's apartment and his dad knows something is wrong because he wouldn't have asked him to come all the way down there because remember they live in like martha's vineyard and so they're in mm-hmm. dc and Mulder tells him that samantha's gone dad i lost her and he asks what Mulder means, and Mulder won't look at him. He's got his back to him, and he tells him about the assassin and the hostage exchange, and that you know he had to trade her for his partner. And his dad is like, "You let this man take your sister," and Mulder tells him he believed he was doing the right thing, and so his dad asks if it was his decision to do this exchange, and Mulder admits that it was, and he says that he'll tell his mom, and then his dad says do you know what losing Sam again is going to do to your mother? And Mulder apologizes. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And he's like, you know, basically crying, like near tears and super upset. And so his dad just gives him this small manila envelope and says, Samantha left it at the house for him. And then he turns around and leaves. He actually does. And I wasn't sure. He starts to say your sister, but then he kind of stops and says, Samantha. I'm not sure if that means something or not. Like maybe his dad knows something's going on. I don't know. Or maybe his dad isn't as convinced that this woman is. Yeah, who maybe. He, he was like, your sister, Samantha, left this for you at the house. So hmm. anyway, that's like yeah. a warm, healthy, loving father-son relationship that we witnessed on the street right there. <laughs> 100%. Oh <my> God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also, thinking back to Aubrey, I'm also like, I could not picture this William Mulder ever just like sitting in his study eating sunflower seeds. Like, that's just yeah. not an image I see in my head while his son is like in bed and like going like, oh, okay, dad's still there. The world is a safe place. No, I do not see that ever <laughs> happening. Maybe, maybe his dad has gotten a lot. Maybe things have um, changed in the last 22 years. Um, just yeah. Because maybe his daughter's and, you know, gone, losing... right? So. His daughter's gone. I think he's gone through a divorce. I mean, people change. And his dad has clearly gotten very, if he wasn't already, he's a very rigid, hard person. Yeah. And distant. I mean, we even saw that in the first one, like when Mulder first arrives. Because like, he doesn't even, like he won't hug, right? He puts out a hand to shake. Yeah, exactly. And then like when yeah. Mulder's asking what's going on, he just like gives like a little recitation of some statement. And then it's your sister. So, yeah. Yeah. So Mulder opens the envelope and we see a handwritten script and it says, if something should happen to me or we become separated, you must meet me here. And then it has an address, 1235 91st Street in Rockville, Maryland. And it also has like an employee access card 
for the Women's Health Service Clinic. Yeah. And not that anyone cares, but I've been to Rockville, Maryland. One of my friends lived there and I went to D.C. and we stayed at her house for a couple of days and it was really fun. I think we ate Thai food in Rockville. I don't know. It's a cool little area. Did you go to the Women's Health Service Clinic? I did not. No, mostly that's obviously private information. That's probably not even something I should be even asking because hostile work environment. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. No, I did not. But anyway, now we are at the Women's Health Services Clinic in Rockville, Maryland, and Mulder pulls up to the clinic, and his phone rings, and it's Scully. And he tells her that Sam left him a path in case they got separated and he thinks she's still alive. And we see Scully is under a bridge at the river and she tells him that he needs to come back as soon as he can. And behind her, we see Samantha on this board surrounded by EMTs and they're pulling her body out of the river. And she lets him know that they found her body and she says that she's sorry. And Mulder's like, are you sure? And she says, yes. And you can't blame yourself. And he asks if they found a second body, like the assassin, and she says they haven't found one yet. So he says he'll be there as soon as he can and hangs up. And then over by the river, the EMTs call the Scully, and they have taken the body up to an ambulance. And they tell her something strange is happening with the body they pulled from the water. So she follows them up to the back of the ambulance and sees that Samantha's face is melting into green goo like the other clone bodies. Ooh. Just her face is yes. melting. I'm guessing that's probably just so we can tell that it's actually Sam because like her hair and her clothes are still intact. It's like just a like her face mm-hmm. goes like concave and starts bubbling. So yeah, I'm sure that's just so that we can tell who it is. But yeah, it's it's probably all gonna melt like the rest of them into icky acidic green goo. Yeah. Mulder, meanwhile, uses the access card Sam left to enter the clinic. And it's currently out of operation, and we know that because equipment is covered in plastic, which is a sign from the show that this building has been abandoned, because apparently everyone just covers things in plastic and walks away. That's how it works. And there are boxes and file cabinets lining the hallways, and then Mulder hears something, so he pulls his gun and he heads down the hall, and then he heads down the stairs, and he finds a woman in scrubs doing something, and he identifies himself, and he tells her to turn around slowly. And he asks who she is. And she removes her surgical mask and goggles. And when she does, we see that she looks exactly like Sam. And this new Sam says, she's dead, isn't she? And Mulder asks what's going on. But this new Sam tells him to come with her and opens the door to a clean looking lab. And Mulder again is like, who are you? And she gestures to the lab. So he goes inside. And then inside that lab, we see more green tanks full of opaque green liquid. And there's another Sam in Scrubs, and Mulder's like, it's all a lie. And then they tell him that they were in danger and needed his help, but they need to leave now. He'll be here soon. And Mulder asks who, and then another Sam in a lab coat shows up, and she says, the man who's been sent to kill us. And Mulder's like, he's dead. He was shot in the back of the neck, and he fell off a bridge. And then lab coat Sam is like, but you don't know that for sure. So she's like, here, come with me, come with me. So she goes to another room and locks another door. And then she's like, we're all dispensable except for one, the one who started this all. And inside we see Sam wearing pretty much the clothes she was wearing last time we saw her, like a tweed jacket and that kind of stuff. And they're like, she is the first, the one we all came from, and that he needs to keep her safe. And then Mona like shakes his head. He's like, no, I'm, I'm not your savior. But then Tweed Sam says, you must help them that they have no choice. 
And Mulder's like, he does, and his choice is to walk out of there. He starts to leave, but then Tweed Sam says they know where his sister is. So she's not the original one, obviously, that they just told him, because the original one would have been his sister. So Well, assuming that they were cloned from his sister, because that's not even something we know for sure. Right. It's possible. They were using the guise of his sister to like ask for help and possibly his sister doesn't look like them. So we don't even know if that's the case, but yeah, yeah, it's really confusing. It's, it's yeah. Like, well, this is like, anyway. oh, we're doing this and we're doing, oh, this is the real, well, actually no, this is the one that we all came from. Oh, but it's not your sister. So no. it's just like clone number one, apparently. Yeah. So, and then they're like, how else would we know so much about her if we didn't know where she was, if we didn't know about her. And then an alarm starts going off in the building and lab coat Sam is all like, he's here. So Mulder draws his gun and he heads down the hall and the hall's filling up with smoke because this has to like to burn buildings when he kills everybody, I guess, because I guess just the green goop disappearing isn't enough. You got to burn the building down too. So he heads through a doorway and he turns a corner and of course, boom, alien assassin hits him, knocks him down. And then he pops his needle out of his thing and he stands over Mulder for a second and then he just walks down the hall towards the Sam's. And then it's commercial. Well, I, for one, am completely shocked that the woman who came back randomly after 22 years claiming to be Mulder's sister was not actually Mulder's sister. Yeah. Very shocked. My first thought when we saw that Sam is a bunch of clones is because she had been previously telling us like you know it was her adoptive obviously this was a story too i think like the whole adoptive parent thing was probably not a true story she came back when she was Mm -hmm. nine whatever but i'm like okay so you're cloning these aliens and one is an old dude and one is like a young woman like that's weird like why wouldn't your clones be like the same age but okay yeah that's weird and then there's just like so whether or not we don't know if these clones come from Sam in any way, shape or form, like obviously the clone woman does look like she could be related to Mulder. We don't know if that's because they use Sam's DNA in any way, but either way, it's kind of a dick move. Like you want this guy to help you. And so you like pretend to be his long lost sister that he's been searching for. I don't know. It's kind of a jerk. I mean, it worked. It got him to help them in some way but like i don't know it wasn't a very nice way to go about it but also then you're caught in a lie right in front of his face too you're like here's the original one and anyone who's thinking would be like then that's actually sam right but then they're right like, nope but we know where your sister is like what are you, what, <laughs> what are you doing oh it's the worst poor Mulder man this guy is not having a good couple weeks here good yeah. couple days also i've had a thought and we're not going to get confirmation i don't think but we are told that all these clones are aliens. I don't know if that necessarily has to be true. I mean, yeah, they have the green blood and they dissolve, but they could just be hybrids. They could yeah. not, They could be actually just like clones from a human that was injected with alien DNA. But then the reason why the alien hunter is still coming to kill them could still be true because you're messing with alien stuff, right? So we have to put an end to that. That could be, still be true. But we don't know for sure that these people actually are aliens themselves. Yeah, they could be like hybrid clones. Yeah, we don't know for sure. So then we see fire trucks parked in front of the clinic and firefighters grab hoses and equipment and inside the burning building, a firefighter comes in and he finds Mulder. And he's like, I'm going to get you out of here. And Mulder's like, what about the others? 
because he's all like smoke inhalation kind of out of it and the man's like we got lucky there's no one else in the building and Mulder's like no there were women in here and he's told that's not true they've checked the whole building he's the only one that they found mm. I bet Mulder was super scared too because we know he's terrified of fire I know. I was just thinking about that doesn't come back again, does it? It's like we know he's there for the fire, but it doesn't really. Why would it? Yeah. It never came up before that happened, and it's not going to come up after that happened. So, yeah. (sighs) (laughs) So then we're at FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., and Scully's typing up a report, and her voiceover tells us that after being treated for smoke inhalation, Mulder was released from the hospital. He insisted that the clinic where he was found needed to be searched several times, and they did that, but they never found any other bodies. Scully's report remains incomplete, and many aspects of this case continue to defy explanation, including the identity of the clones, both the men and the women. Their alien origin has not been substantiated. So, I mean, like what you said, we don't know if they're actually from another planet or if they're just of alien DNA, although she probably is questioning both. And the man responsible for their death's disappearances is still at large, and he's been officially charged for the murder of Agent Weiss, whose body is now being quarantined at the U.S. Medical Research Institute of Infectious Diseases. Oh. I didn't check to see if that was a real place or not. Didn't even think about yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. So we see a man in a hazmat suit grab a tool off a tray, and he's standing over Weiss's corpse. And... We do see that Weiss's eyes are kind of messed up a little bit. And, of course, he's got, like, the big autopsy, like, stitching across his chest and everything because they'd opened him up previously, and then they closed him up, and now they're doing it again. But all the scratches on his face are gone. I did notice that. Like, the scratches were totally gone. Hmm. But anyway, we now know that Weiss's cause of death involved thickening of the blood, and they suspect it might have been caused by a virus. So Scully and another doctor appear on the other side of the medical suite behind the glass partition, and Scully is hoping that analysis of the blood and the contagion might offer some kind of explanation. So then we see like a shot of like, you know, it's like through a microscope of like stuff. And Scully asks the doctor if it's a retrovirus. And he says, yes, but not one they've ever seen before. And then Scully asks if the thickening of Weiss's blood was an immunological response to the virus, which caused the red blood cells to rapidly produce. And the doctor shows her another sample that they had cultured, but they were able to control the growth of the virus. And Scully's like, well, how did you do that? And he says, we actually just chilled it like by five degrees Fahrenheit. The cold seems to make the virus go dormant. So just like five degrees less than like body temperature, I guess, would do it. So she tells him they recently pulled a body from a freezing river and how when it thawed, it began to corrode. And the guy's like, corrode? And then she's like, gotta go. Let me know if you find anything. Bye. So not like that, but then she does. Yeah. It's kind of like, probably shouldn't be mentioning like bodies corroded into green liquid, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So then we're at the Kennedy center in Washington, DC and X approaches Mulder and he's wearing a very fancy tuxedo and Mulder asks how the opera was. And X is like, I've never slept better. And then he chastises Mulder about these public meetings, but Mulder needs his help and he needs to know what X knows. And X just says, they're all dead. And Mulder says, no, the one who was sent to kill them is still alive. So Mulder asks where he is. And X tells him that his spacecraft was spotted by a submarine in the Beaufort Sea five days ago. And the submarine was ordered to destroy it, but their ship was disabled. An attack fleet left port from Anchorage this morning, and they're going to make sure that this ship doesn't leave. 
And then X tells Mulder that this is a battle he can't win. So, didn't the alien ship crash? And like we saw an explosion like two weeks yeah. earlier in the T's in Colony. There was definitely an explosion. So, like, I don't know. I Also, are aliens just super bad at parking? Because, like, they're constantly crashing. Like, they're always crashing. Like, in Fallen Angel, they crashed, right? But then they left with Max. And, like, what's with all the crashing? I don't know if this is supposed to be the same ship. And, like, it auto-repair? I don't know. But, like, we saw the one explode. Yeah. Because they say they found this one five days ago, whereas the other one was two weeks earlier. And we're almost at that two-week point. We're getting close to when the stuff that happened in the beginning of Colony is going to happen. So we're not right. like more than a week away from that happening. So I'm not sure. I'm confused. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know either. <laughs> I mean, if it could out of repair, that'd be sweet. If your ship, I mean, like we saw the explosion in itself. the opening montage of this very episode. Yes, we did. So we, yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just because they're trying to signify a crash and they didn't know how to do it without like an explosion of some kind. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's not a great looking explosion, to be honest with you, in the composite. No, but yeah, it's not. Yeah. That's but funny. It's definitely an explosion. So, you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't I'm know. just confused. I don't know if maybe they have ships dashed and just. I mean, it. if I were an alien, why why not? Yeah. So Scully knocks on Mulder's apartment door and there's like a couple of newspapers stacked outside his door, but there's no answer. And so Scully pulls out her spare key to open the door and then she turns on his computer and then she kind of just, as she's looking around, she notices there's like an X taped on the window. And then, I don't know if this pops up on Mulder's computer. You had written in your notes that she checks her email. It is an email for her from Mulder. I'm not sure how she's checking her email from Mulder's computer. Unless she's like there all the time and we don't know it. And she just got it <laughs> set up. That she can I mean, she has computer. a key. I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, in the email, it tells her that when she gets this, he'll be far away and he can't allow her to follow. He tells her that she was right. A line has to be drawn somewhere and he's drawing it for her. He'll contact her when he can. So. Yep. So he has run off again, which is not something Mulder ever does. And this time he at least sent her an email to let her know. By the way, I don't know if we've mentioned, but Mulder's apartment number is 42, which, of course, is a reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which when I was a kid, oh. I thought was really cool. So, Yeah, I guess he answered everything. Yeah, so. life, the universe, and everything. Also, I don't remember that email just popped up in a separate window by itself on that version of macOS. Uh, yeah, I didn't have a Mac back in the I 90s. Think that I think maybe just PCs, like you were pulling so. up a file that looks like that. Yeah, well, it might be a file that the prop team <laughs> made with the email on it. Yeah. That might be why. Oh. So Scully walks into Skinner's office and she asks if they can speak about Mulder off the record. And then she tells Skinner that he's gone. And Skinner's like, where? And Scully doesn't know. And she kind of hoped that Skinner knew or maybe he could help her find out. And Skinner says Mulder said he was taking some time off after everything he's been through. And Mulder apparently told Scully the same thing, but she doesn't think the matter with his sister is settled. And she asks if Skinner can reach out through unofficial channels to reach Mulder. And Skinner's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Mulder's actions here are a violation of duty, and they both have a greater duty to the FBI, both he and Scully. Mulder's putting their jobs at risk, her life at risk, and Scully's like, no, he saved my life, like with the hostage exchange. 
And Skinner said, okay, well, if he wanted you to save his life, he'd have told you where he was going. And then he sits back down at his desk and he tells her to close the door on the way out. Yep. So Skinner's not going to help. Bummer. Yeah. So Scully goes back to Mulder's apartment and she turns the desk lamp on to illuminate the little X signal in the window. And then some time passes. She's asleep. We don't actually get any clock times. So X doesn't magically show up at 1121 in this episode. But anyway, she's (laughs) asleep on the sofa. And then some feet appear through a crack under the door. And then there's a knock. And that wakes up Scully. And so she gets up and goes to the door. And as I just spoiled earlier, it's X. And X is like, oh. He's like, you can see his face. He's like, oh, this is not what I expected. Uh-oh. And she's like, where's Mulder? And he's like, I'm sorry. I must have the wrong apartment. And turns around and leaves. And so she chases him down the hallway. And like, she's like, where's Mulder? And he's like, I'm sorry. You've mistaken me for someone else. And also, just as someone who lives in a building, and I know Tori can relate to this as well. Like, man, they're just like yelling at each other like down the hallway. There's a, like apartments there. Like, that's annoying. We see there's a big old gap under Mulder's door, so you know they hear everything in that hallway. But he gets in the elevator, and he's like, sorry, I can't help you. Like, I know who you are, lady. And then pushes the button, and the door's closed. Yeah. So then he reaches the ground floor, and the elevator opens, and Skinner's right there at the elevator door. And X is like, excuse me. He's still playing. He's like, I don't know who anyone here is. But Skinner's like, did you tell Scully what she needed to know? And X is kind of surprised again. This guy's getting caught off guard all over the place. And Skinner actually pushes him into the elevator and up against the wall. And he threatens him. And then they fight. And Skinner gets several punches in. And then they actually do like this head bash thing where they like bash their heads together. Yeah. Well, I think well, I think X bashes him first. And yeah. then they do the punching thing. And then Skinner gets him up. And then Skinner headbutts him. Yeah. And then X pulls a gun. And he tells Skinner that he's killed men for less. And Skinner demands to know where Mulder is. Yep, because he says, if you pull that trigger, you'll kill two men. Yeah, I really liked the scene. I thought it was really good. One, I just, well, I love the whole thing with X. Like the minute he sees Scully, he's like, oh no, I have the wrong apartment. Do to do, I'm leaving. And then I just love that Skinner's there and that they, you know, he's willing to do what has to be done to find Mulder. So I don't know, the whole thing was great. I loved it. Yeah, I'm also realizing, too, I've had this thought before, but I'm realizing now, especially because, you know, Skinner, Skinner is a bigger dude, right? And I watched 21 Jump Street, and of course, you know, Stephen Williams, he was the captain in 21 Jump Street. But mm-hmm. to me, he always seemed like he was, like, not necessarily a short guy, but like a like a, a smaller build guy, like a, like a slimmer guy. But yet, he's pretty comparative to Skinner in this, like... Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of like, oh, maybe I need to go. Maybe my memory is just off. Maybe I need to go back and watch 21 Jump Street. I don't know. I just seem to, like, in my head, remember him being, like, a thinner build. So maybe he pumped up for the X-Files role. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So then there's another knock on Mulder's door. And so Scully opens the door. And it's Skinner. And he's bleeding from his head and nose and got blood on his shirt. And he tells her that Mulder took a commercial flight to Tacoma, Washington. And then he took a military plane to Dead Horse, Alaska. And then he uses FBI credentials to charter an all-terrain vehicle. But even after that, it's a 10-mile hike across the ice to his location. And so he writes down the final destination on a scrap of paper. And Scully's like, how did you get this? And he's like, unofficial channels. <laughs> I love Skinner so much. <laughs> I love it. This whole thing is great. I love it. Just makes me happy. 
So then we see Mulder is hiking across an ice shelf and he's like checking coordinates on a handheld GPS. And then he reaches the top of the submarine that we saw earlier and it's like jammed in the ice, but the lights are still on. You can just see like the top of it, like the, I don't know what it's called, not the periscope, but it's just like the, it's called the, the um, conning part. tower. Oh, okay. See, I know nothing yeah. about submarine. Yeah. And I don't think the lights are on at this point. I think it's just the background lights, like from the Boreal. Oh, you're right. Seen. You're right. The lights yeah. aren't on yet. Yeah, but we yeah. do. But, we, but it is kind of backlit. Like there's some kind of like polar lights going on or something. So because mm-hmm. there is light, obviously, besides just Mulder's flashlight, because it's dark. So, and it's not so much in this previous scene, but more so in the one with Mulder and Sam and Skinner. But then this one kind of reminded me about it. Like having a shapeshifter in a show really makes it easy to build suspense because all you have to do is like show a medium shot of a character and like hold it just a little bit extra or like light it a certain way. And everyone's like, is that really them? Like you don't know. Like it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah. in a way it's kind of a cheap, easy gimmick. I mean, you could maybe say sometimes it might be lazy, but like, it's just, it allows you to do that. Like, cause like every time they like, if they hold a shot, just a certain amount, it was really like with when Skinner shows up at Mulder's door, when Mulder and Sam are there, you're like, oh, is that really Skinner? So you don't really know. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then we have commercial too. Yes. So, I don't know if I ever said that or not. I forget. So, Mulder kind of like is like checking out the submarine, like making the round around it with his flashlight. And then he climbs up the tower to the top and he opens the hatch and he goes inside. And of course, it's dark inside. Things are all messed up. There's bodies laying around. And then he hears a noise. And so he pulls his gun and goes to chase him. And he's like, hey, stop you know all that kind of stuff and then he like you know sees him a little bit so he goes and chases him some more down to a lower deck and then they're in the mess hall and or the kitchen i guess i guess the mess halls where you actually eat i don't know i'm not in the military i don't know so anyways it's a kitchen and he finds the dude huddled in a corner and Mulder demands to know who he is and he says he's lieutenant terry wilmar and he's obviously scared and terrified and like his eyes are all like red rimmed and everything because obviously he's been on the submarine for like probably five days i'm guessing so yeah so then in the next shot Mulder has wilmer facing away from him and he's got a gun pointed on him like at the back of his neck and he demands to know what happened and wilmer says he doesn't know they lost power and they drifted for days until suddenly they hit a shallow patch and got stuck in the ice and Mulder's like why did you run and wilmer's like a man came he sealed most of the men below decks without any oxygen and then he executed the rest of them and he thought Mulder was that guy and Mulder asks how he managed to survive. And Wilmer says that he hid under a body and he played dead. And then the power suddenly comes back on and Mulder slaps a cuff around Wilmer's wrist. And Wilmer's like, what's that for? And Mulder tells him he's not getting back to his ship until he gets to the truth and demands to know where his sister is. And Wilmer has no idea what he's talking about. Yep. So Mulder's like, you're not going to get back to your ship. So Mulder is basically thinking this is the alien, right? Because when he says ship, right. he means like the UFO under the water. And the man's like, no, no. But then his tone kind of shifts and he tells Mulder he's making a mistake. And then just like he like swings his arm and they're handcuffed together because Mulder handcuffed him to himself. And then he swings his arm and Mulder just like goes flying. Boom, it hits the ground. And the man shifts into the alien assassin. And then he swings his arm again and Mulder hits a wall. And he tells Mulder, he's like, I could have killed you many times if I wanted to. And Mulder's like, where's my sister? And the assassin just swings his arm again, boom, and slams him on the ground. If you've seen the Avengers, when the Hulk is slamming around Loki, it's kind of like that, Mm -hmm. just not as fast. It is. Yeah. (laughs) 
It's very similar. Weird <laughs> that this episode is named Endgame and there's a connection oh, to Infinity Avengers. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. It yeah. all connects. No, I don't yeah. think it does. And then he asked Mulder if the answer is worth dying for. So Mulder asks again. So apparently it is. And Mulder throws him across again and hits the ground. And he's like, she's alive. Can you die now? And he starts to just walk away. And so as he's walking away, because they're handcuffed together, Mulder's just like being dragged like a dog <laughs> who doesn't want to go somewhere. And like they go through like a hatch door. And then Mulder like rolls over and he shoots at him. I'm assuming Mulder was aiming for his neck, but he misses his him in the back. And then the gaseous stuff comes out. And then Mulder's like, ah, his eyes, right? And the assassin, like they climb up the tower. He's like dragging Mulder up the tower. And then he flops Mulder out. And then he slams the hatch down. And it snaps the handcuffs. And so Mulder's like, ah, and he falls off the tower, lands on the ice, and he rolls over. And he's kind of like, ugh. And then, like, all the lights on the submarine come on from the outside. And then, like, the fins on the cowling tower shift to, like, descend. And then it starts sinking back in the ice. And Mulder's like, oh, and he rolls out of the way to type because the fin was going to come down and, like, chop him in half. Oh, it yeah. Rolls out of the way in time. And then it is gone. Yep. Back under the ice. Yeah, handcuffing yourself to someone is really never a good idea. Just saying that, especially if you think they might be like a Terminator or something. So Yeah, no, not yeah. great. And Mulder is kind of like, the dude just could have lopped Mulder's hand off. He's kind of lucky that like he didn't just like, you know, or his whole arm. He could just like flop Mulder out a little bit and just like close the hatch out on Mulder's arm and lopped his whole arm off or something. Yeah, he absolutely could have. Or he's obviously strong enough. He could, probably could have just torn Mulder's arm off and then been okay but there's a lot about the scene that makes absolutely no sense honestly when you think about it yeah it's one of those scenes where like they need the confrontation i mean i get why the assassin's there i get why Mulder yeah thinks he can find answers there but i don't know why the assassin even plays being someone else mm-hmm yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's the part that makes no sense. I was kind of like, it makes no sense why he's even just like waiting there. But like, we did see the sub didn't have power. And then while they're having a the discussion, somehow magically the power comes back on. I'm not sure. Why. I'm, I'm guessing he was working on something when Mulder interrupted him. So maybe like it finally clicked oh, okay. together. That part is fine, but it's just kind of weird anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah. Also, I'm not sure why he needs the sub. Because he obviously got onto the sub before from his ship. So why couldn't he just go to his ship without the sub? Yeah, I don't know why either. Especially because, I mean, the cold doesn't seem to bother him. And we know these guys can breathe underwater from Erlenmeyer Flask, or at least in mm-hmm. theory. So yeah. it does seem a little weird that he can't just, like, get to his ship. But I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe his ship is messed up. And it's just, like, it's, like, in park mode. That's why he's just sitting there, and he needs the parts from the sub to fix it. Like he needs like Maybe. the nuclear fusion engine or something. Um, that would like the nuclear vessels. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was a Star Trek Four reference. Sorry, not sorry. But yeah, I could see that. Hey, if I can throw random Kolchak references, you can throw random <laughs> Star Trek references. I mean, when does the opportunity come when they're literally looking for the same thing that Chekhov and Uhura are in San Francisco looking for like nuclear vessels so they can like get a new thing for their Klingon ship. <laughs> same thing. They're looking for parts for an alien ship. It's exactly the same. Anyway. Exactly the same. They probably stole it from that. Star Trek. <laughs> Steal from so 
now we're back at the hospital and we're finally back at where colony opened a week ago yeah a little bit actually overlap too yeah we do get some overlap again we hear scully tell them that the cold is the only thing keeping him alive Mulder's heart stops and she explains at this point she explains that Mulder's been exposed to a retrovirus that will lead to a thickening of the blood if they don't keep him cold and the doctor orders her out of the er and he tells a nurse to pull scully away but she insists that his heart is failing due to the thickening blood and the doctor still thinks it's hypothermia. And she basically just like pulls off her coat and she's like, we need to get him out of the tub. And then we see, apparently they have listened to Scully because for whatever reason they're listening now. And she uses the paddles to restart his heart. And then she orders like various medicines and IV and also blood for a transfusion. And like, she's like, Mulder's going to make it. Yeah, I had my note was like, how do we immediately go from remove this woman to everyone's just like, working with her, taking orders from her. She's like totally in charge now, bossing people around, using the defibrillator. Everyone's just like, oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. On that right yeah. away. Oh, like, I don't know, yeah, but they do. throw your butt out, and now we're like just... Now we're doing what you say. It's cool. I yeah. mean, it's as good for Mulder that they are, so... And then hours later, Scully is sitting in a waiting room and her voiceover tells us the transfusions and the antivirals have actually resulted in a small but steady improvement to Mulder's condition. And blood tests did confirm his exposure to the strange virus. The search team who found Mulder did not locate the submarine or the man he saw. And a lot of this case remains unexplained and it might suggest paranormal phenomena, but Scully remains convinced that even behind all this phenomena, there are scientific explanations. And many things have shaken her faith and belief in an ordered universe, but recent events have only made it more important for her to find the reason that things seem to defy it. And then a nurse lets Scully in to see Mulder and he's still unconscious. And Scully continues her voiceover saying that it was science that isolated this virus Mulder was exposed to and science that allowed them to understand it. And ultimately, it was science that saved Mulder's life. Scully is very pro-science. She is. She is. Even though she keeps saying, like, faith and belief when she refers to science, which is, I mean, we have, we don't have great words for that because all of our words have kind of become preloaded with other contexts as well. Yeah. Them, so it's kind of hard. So. That's true. But yeah, she does. Well, and it's interesting, too, because we know that she is very religious as well, and she is very deep into science, which are not things that, they're not mutually exclusive in any way, although sometimes it does feel that way. Yeah, well, I mean, you hear a lot about, like, a lot of people have, like, blinding belief in science, which which isn't a good thing either, right? Because, like, you can't just be like, science, like, you gotta you gotta go through the process and prove things. So Right, there's a process like, to it. Someone can't just say, like, I did science and this proves it, and you're like, you know, that's why we gotta replicate all that kind of stuff so but, right yeah, it's just it's yeah words are we don't have great words for a lot of that stuff because a lot of our words that say we believe in something just saying that kind of means almost has like a religious connotation to it and so it's kind of messed up no. so molders opens his eyes and he's looking away from her his eyes actually have been open a little while and then she realizes he's awake and she smiles and she asked him how he's feeling and he's can't talk real great because he's messed up. Right. So he's like, like, I've got a bad case of freezer burn. So he's still with the quips. So even though he's messed up <laughs> still so, Walter. and then he's like, how did I get here? And she tells him that the Naval Reconnaissance Squad found him. 
And then he like apologizes for ditching her and says he just couldn't let her risk her life on this. And she's like, did you find what you were looking for? And he's like, no, but I found something I thought I'd lost my faith to keep looking. So again, we have like faith kind of thing talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's over. Yep. And that's the end. Mulder's not dead. Yay. That's the end of the two-parter. This episode is credited as being written by Frank Spotniks, who he will end up being a writer or co-writer on 48 episodes of The X-Files. He'll be director on two episodes, and he's also the co-writer of both X-Files movies. Oh, wow. And apparently he and Chris Carter were friends way before The X-Files was even a twinkling Chris Carter's eye. And when X-Files started, he had submitted several ideas to Chris Carter, but Chris Carter like shot them all down and was like, no, these suck. But then when Morgan Wong left, Chris Carter called him and said, hey, do you want a job? And Sputnik's had actually never worked in Hollywood, and this was his first gig. I don't agree with all his later choices that he does, both X-Files and not X-Files, but he kind of has this like outsider status early on at least, that you get a lot of quotes from him about how stupid things are, how they work in the industry, and that makes me give him a thumbs up because he kind of like, just like, like example, the scene where the alien assassin throws Scully onto the table, that glass table, and it crashes. Mm-hmm. Apparently standards in practice made them insert a groan afterwards to prove to the audience that Scully wasn't dead. Oh. He's like, this is stupid. Like, we're gonna kill our co-star like, and you're, she's going to show up like in a couple minutes, like, but they yeah, made him that insert that. Really so stupid. people wouldn't think she was dumb. So that's he has, funny. He has lots of quotes like that about how crazy things are and how things work. So nice. Like, yeah. I mean, I yeah, call it out. I Good recognize job. the name and he's written a lot of like forwards for X-Files books. And he's obviously been at a lot of X-Files conventions and, you know, I recognize the name very much. So it'll be interesting to see how going yeah, forward. He comes he in as a writer and then eventually is like at like Chris Carter level, like executive producer. Yeah. Yeah. It is funny to me that once again, like part two of an episode is written by different people than part one. Like, I do think that's funny. And I know like, I mean, we talked about how scripts work in TV and how like, it's never really a solo project anyway. I just think it's funny that the first part is like the company and Carter. And then the second part is like Spotnitz and it's like, but it's the same story. So apparently Spotnitz did come up with the idea of Sam or someone claiming to be Sam coming back and how like if a woman came back like would Mulder even know it was really her and that was like part of his pitch so yeah apparently Carter did work on the script for this episode even though he's not taking writing credit because this was Spotnitz's first work and so he mm-hmm. did kind of so he was kind of like a writer on it oh yeah I mean credit I'm sure to be honest, so, I think that probably happens a lot especially yeah. and that may be I don't know I kind of because like yeah, he is. He had the idea of like, what if Sam came back, kind of thing. But then he gets no credit in Colony, which is when that idea starts. And Carter is quoted as saying, "That's because it's not really Sam who came back, and to do that would be like pure science fiction." And the X Files isn't a science fiction show, so he didn't want to <laughs> do that. Part of me was also like, it's kind of like a dick move because like getting credit for i mean he's he had that idea right so in a way he should be he should probably get as much credit as Duchovny for like probably. the alien bounty hunter idea because apparently that was david Duchovny's idea was the alien bounty hunter 
Okay. So it's like he, so like he should be getting at least that much credit, like at least story credit, if not like you know, because we the first one was like story by David Duchovny and Chris Carter, and then teleplay. So Chris Carter wrote all the detailed stuff. So you think, but then again, he did work on this one and then didn't take any credit. So I guess if we're thinking about the whole credit thing being like a a monetary balance, in a way, he got full writing credit on this one when he only got story credit before, and then only got partial writing credit on this one. So I guess it balances out, but. I was kind of yeah. like, yeah, mm. it is kind of funny though. <laughs> yeah. And then cynical me obviously is like David Duchovny just wanted his own one breath episode, which is why he like, <laughs> came up with this idea. So, well, you know, <laughs> got to advocate for your career, which is apparently actually is something that actually happened in the show a few times where they had to keep making balance of characters, getting spotlights. Yeah. So, I can see that you don't want to focus too much on one character and not yeah. the other. Well, one. I meant that the actual actors had to advocate to get balance because oh, they felt okay. that one was getting more and then the other one was getting so. There's also money stuff involved, obviously, because we're talking yes. about a male lead and a female lead. That is an ongoing thing. So, but yeah, yeah. And as we talked about last time, like these two episodes help solidify the alien mythology in the series. And as we mentioned last time, some of the writers were a little nervous about that because, like, you know, you solidify mythology and then it kind of, you're beholden to it, at least on some level. Yeah, I don't know that I buy that idea. I think they were just, like, didn't want to have to put the work in to stick to, like, a cohesive arc and they were happy just doing whatever they wanted to. Um, yeah, if, if, I mean, like, I if you're writing long form fiction, like you need a framework. You can't just be all like, let's do this, let's do this. Cause that's actually where you're gonna get into trouble. Cause then you're not gonna have a piece of story. You do, but it's a balance. And as someone who has written long form stuff and like planned series before, like you need limits, like you said, you absolutely do. Because if you don't have like, okay, so if you're writing like a series about vampires, you need to know like, do your vampires need to be invited in? Like, do they have a reflection in the mirror? All that kind of stuff you have to establish. But if you establish things too narrowly, then you kind of, you know, by season four or five, maybe have written yourself into a corner. And that actually happened kind of on Buffy. Like the first season, all the vampires are like following the master and they're all, they don't really have like plans of their own. And they're all just kind of, you know, this guy. And then they got a season two and like halfway through, not even halfway through, like five episodes in, they're like, okay, well, we have to like expand our vampire mythology because otherwise the show is going to be very tedious if it's always the same like thing and the vampires only have like two motivations or whatever and so like you can get yourself out of those things but when you're creating like mythology you have to be careful because if you restrict yourself too much and you get renewed for 11 seasons by season 10 you might have some struggles writing different alien stories if you've boxed yourself in with like how the aliens work yeah i wonder how much of that was carryover from the movie which was just you know just a movie right so you would write things in the movie because that's how it worked in the movie Oh, for like, Buffy. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. And so yeah, I wonder no, if that was 100%. That, that was carryover. So again, it's not thinking about long-term fiction. They just pulled the idea from the movie and then said, let's use that. And so again, it's not it's not thinking that long. And honestly, right. both Josh Whedon and I don't was he was JJ Abrams involved in Buffy at all? Oh, I don't think so. No. Okay. I know there's all that recent stuff where JJ Abrams finally actually admitted what everyone has already known that like they didn't do any planning for like the new star wars trilogy. for star wars yeah yeah and like if people, people were calling him out saying like he's been doing this for 20 years and he does this on everything he never does a long-term plan he just does something and then let, 
gets into trouble. Well, I mean, so look at Lost. Look at Lost. Yeah. Lost well, that's the example. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and Lost then, was and then the, and all the Star this setup Trek and too. no payoff. Yeah. The same thing yes. with the Star Trek reboot. So, like, I'm not going to defend Joss Whedon because Joss Whedon is beep. Um, yeah. But like, when you're creating a show, you also don't know how long. Like, if Buffy had only been one season, you don't need the vampires to be more than that, right? They work the way they right. are. As the show grows and you get more seasons, you have to be like, okay, like now we need to work our way out of this hole. No, I get that there's a balance, a but again, and, that's going to the thing of like he wasn't thinking long term. And I realize you don't know what's going to happen, but you right, have a you TV series. How long-term you it have. could be long term, and so you need to yes. think that way. And I think that oh, for is what sure. they didn't do. They just took the like this is what we did in the movie. Let's modify it a little bit, but we'll keep that same theme. And then it turned out that yeah. oh, that really limits us. So. But back to the X-Files, it's like, I think as a writer, like I would I would want to solidify at least some of the conspiracy stuff because you have to, but it is hard to be like, okay, but our aliens are only this, because then if you want to write a different alien story, it makes it a little harder. It's not impossible, just a little bit harder. No, because it could be a different alien, right? I mean, you've brought that yeah. up before, like maybe they're all different aliens, and I'm like, uh, but they don't really say that, and so, yeah. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. this is where we get like the actual mythology starting to solidify and like what the aliens are doing here. And at least hints at what the conspiracies might be. So yeah. I also do also wonder if some of that pushback against like locking things down was because it was like this new guy coming in with the idea to do it. And yeah. Was kind of like, who's this new guy? But Yeah. I could definitely see that. I don't know if that's the case, but I could definitely see that. Yeah. They're like, we finally got rid of Morgan and Wong. Now you're bringing this dude on, and he's gonna like yeah. change the because he show. basically takes over all the Myth Arc stuff. Everything okay. Myth Arc basically becomes Frank Spotnik. So, okay, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. And then just another thing: apparently, when Bowman was directing, he had Megan Leach, who plays Sam and/or the clones, Sam the clone, whatever they are. She would have her do t- like one take as if she were Samantha and then one take as if she were a clone and not really his sister and kind of use the one that worked best for the scene, which I think is kind of a cool way to approach it. Cause then he's got options. Was that for all her scenes or like just the lab one? Or do you know? I think that was for all her scenes in this episode. He didn't, did he direct the okay. previous one? No, he didn't direct the last so one. So I don't know if it, it applies to Colony or not. I mean, I imagine okay, that no. they talked, but it I don't probably know for sure. This one then. Yeah. Cause he, no, he didn't direct. Yeah, he didn't direct the first. So they had different Which again, weird and, that it's a different director for the yeah. same, you know, for part two. Yeah. But that's how it works. Although, like so. you said, Chris Carter basically did, like, basically do, like, the kind he of... Was, yeah, both. he was a very hands-on showrunner, yeah. so... Yeah. They did, just talking about, like, the difference between episodes, right? We had the same kind of thing with Dwayne Barry and Ascension, where, like, they were... Those were, like, tonally different and written by different people and all that kind of stuff. But, like, the whole chapel thing just disappears completely. I know. Yeah. They don't even he never mention, comes like, do, yeah, do they find out that he, like, we're going to assume that there was a real chapel and this guy, like, killed him. And oh, yeah. Over. And no, not there that, has like, to he's be. been in, like, he's been, like, alien deep cover, especially because, like, we just saw that he arrived, like, two weeks ago or five days ago or whatever we're talking about. So, but yeah, they just totally drop that all together. Yeah. You would have expected them to, like, at least, like, Scully's voiceover, like, they found the body of, you know, chapel mm-hmm. in his apartment or something because, like, he's obviously been dead for a while. So, yeah, I mean, maybe because he doesn't appear in this episode. So, if you hadn't seen the last episode, then you meet people, you're like, Who the hell is that? But still, it seems like yeah. if you watch both, you're like, Wow, that just kind of disappeared. 
Yeah. So, yeah. And then we talk about the whole, like, whether the crew cut man and the alien assassin possibly could have been the same person. But then we get, like, I had totally forgotten when we talked about that last episode that, like, the dude just arrived. So unless he's been, like, commuting back and forth, it probably was Yeah. Although it could have been, like, the same alien race or a clone of these. Yeah. I was thinking more that they were, assassins. Like... Kind of yeah, thing. that that was like clones, sort of like the clones of the Gregors and the Sams or whatever. Like that, it was similar yeah. to that, but I don't know. I do like all the like Sam refers to him as a bounty hunter, but like he doesn't like bring people back. He just kills them. I mean, I realize yeah. some bounty hunters you just need to prove that they're dead. You know, like Boba Fett because you need to turn him into Jabba Fett. But yeah, so it seems more like an assassin than a bounty hunter. But that's just like maybe a semantics. So. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned last episode that Mulder's broken phone when he got hit by the car when he was chasing Dickens would come up later. Mm-hmm. And then we never mentioned it last episode. And it was just the fact that they kept missing phone calls, right? Yeah. Is that what yeah, the it was just was? because okay. I think if he had had his cell phone, we wouldn't have had that comedy of missed calls where like, because she would have just been able to call his cell phone and reach him at his dad's house or whatever. And it okay. wouldn't have been. An and issue. then so he must have got a new phone. Because when Scully calls him, he's going to that lab to meet the Sam clones. He pulls out his yeah. cell phone. So he must have got a new one. Or they he must have replaced like it. Just not in time for the last mix-up. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so, all it was. And I know this is a TV thing, but didn't Mulder just have like a reboot of his faith in Little Green Men? Yeah, although I guess, I mean... With the X-Files timeline, God knows how long it's actually been. But, like, it's been a while. And I also think, like, it. yeah, I mean, I think it's just a TV thing. They reaffir- they're going to keep reaffirming it because, like, yeah. they go through all this stuff. And then, you know, we have to figure out, like, what's driving these characters to keep going? Why are they still going? And so, like, this episode was very much solidifying that, like, Mulder still has faith to like find the truth and he's more determined than ever now because also he knows his sister's alive somewhere so there's still hope and Scully is more determined than ever to find the science behind these things because there may be aliens there's alien DNA like this stuff is clearly there but like there is science behind it and that's where she's gonna find her answers is not in the proof I mean to her the the answer is like the science of it whereas to Mulder it's just getting a sister back and having proof that aliens exist so they're on the same quest they're just looking at it from different sides yeah although Mulder's reaffirmment of his faith is based solely on the assassin telling him that she's still mm-hmm. alive, which he could have been lying. You don't know. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. kind of gets into the whole, I think you want to talk about this too, but like there's the dichotomy of trust no one versus I want to believe. And mm-hmm. I was reading something and it kind of brought this up and it's, I think they, they, they kind of expressed something I'd been fighting with in my head. And so I'm going to just basically steal it. I put references in the show notes for the books I use. I don't remember which one this is actually from (laughs) at the moment. I would have to, I don't want to misspeak. So, but they talk about the balance of like, you cannot trust no one and want to believe at the same time. Because if you trust no one, then you're not willing to believe in anything because you trust no one. And so Mm -hmm. like, there has to be like a sliding, it's like one is one extreme and one is the other extreme, right? Like you can like trust no one, believe nothing, or you can be like, that sounds true. Like, and so there's like a sliding scale, but you can't do both. You can't trust mm-hmm. no one and still want to believe. 
So like, where does Mulder fall on that? Because like, yeah, trust no one. But then a dude who was going to kill him tells him his sister's still alive right before he assumes he's going to die. And he's taken that as like the truth. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting. And I do, I think Mulder's, you know, every character who's well-developed usually has like a fatal flaw. And that's what it's called. And Mulder knows he shouldn't trust anyone, but we see time and again that he's willing to trust anyway when it, he thinks it might lead him to the truth or it might lead him to his sister or it might lead him to whatever answers he's seeking. And time and again, this is kind of his undoing, right? Like he gets tricked in EBE. Scully knows that's his flaw. And I think that's part of why Scully's always like, are you sure? Where are we getting this you know, information? What's going on? Because like his flaw is that he is willing to put aside that trust no one because he wants to believe so badly. And that overrides his like, instincts to maybe not be as trusting as he should and you know he'll trust all sorts of people if they're telling him what he wants to hear and that's something Mulder's mm-hmm. got to like kind of learn to overcome yeah well we talked about it in season one like in Miracle Man as soon as Sam's name comes up he just loses it all you know mm-hmm. incredulity and just like yep you must be real I'm gonna believe you you mentioned my yeah. sister yeah, or when the eaves tell him that like there were red lights in the sky, you know what well, I mean? That was because like, they were playing him like because he was just leaving. They were. On. They could tell they were where playing he was going. him, but you. Can, yeah. But still, like you know, he's he can be played in that way because he really is so desperate for these answers, and yeah. so that's like something that as a character, hopefully, as he he grows, he will get better at that. But it is definitely his flaw, and you know, like that will always get him because it does. To make another random movie reference. Sam was Martha before Martha was Martha. So I, I don't know what that means. You know, you know that? Okay, so the very horrible Zack Snyder movies of the DC movies. So Bruce Wayne's mother is named Martha Wayne, and yeah. Superman's mom is Martha Kent. Oh, and yeah, so I knew that. At one point in the Batman versus Superman movie, they're fighting and Batman is just kicking Superman's ass. Cause he's got kryptonite and armor and all this kind of stuff. Right. And then, so Superman is like, be sure to save Martha. And Batman's like, why did you say that name? Cause he thinks it's his mom because they both have the same mom name. And so that became like a little meme of like Martha, Martha, Martha. That's the way to <laughs> get Batman is just to mention Martha. And then he loses his shit and just will do whatever you want him to do. So. Yeah, I mean, everyone's got their weaknesses, right? And this is Mulder's, unfortunately. <laughs> and we see it over. And I guess, I mean, I'm going to bet that we're going to see it a lot in the next couple seasons <laughs> where he's like chasing something and like, it's just, you know, that's that's Mulder. Oh, buddy. Well, we have to rate this. Oh, yeah. Ratings. Um, yeah. yeah we rated we... part one. And now we're going to rate part, part two. two. Yeah. Um, I think for this one, like I like this episode a lot. Again, like Skinner beating up X and X being like, oh, I don't know who you are. I have the wrong apartment. <laughs> like that whole thing was great. Loved it a lot. I mean, I feel like it works. I knew that Sam wasn't really Sam, like pretty much from the moment she appeared. Like I was just it's just too easy. It's such a hard and well, it's too easy. Like, you, no, no character ever gets what they want that easily in TV, like, especially in season two. It's too easy. You were like, that would be pure science fiction. And X-Files is not a science fiction show. 
What is Chris Carter? I love you, Chris Carter. What are you talking about, buddy? I don't know. We need I think to... he just likes to talk, and so he just says stuff when <laughs> people interview him. It's a science fiction show. What do you think you're making? Anyway, it's not a documentary, as far as I know. And if it is, I would love to know that. So please tell me. I think this one is an eight for me. I thought it was really good. Again, Skinner and X, always amazing. Always happy to see them. I like so that. So you like, like this one more than Colony? Yeah, I mean, it's the second part, so I don't know if that's really fair because this one concludes things, whereas oh, the okay. first one just leaves you hanging. But so you may, be having, you may mean, have some residuals that you're pulling into. Yeah, kind of thing. and of course, like bloody scruffy Skinner getting the information and handing it to Scully. I don't know. I'm a fan. I also just, I really do like that, like, it does give us that, like, okay, Scully is like, she's in, but she's in to find the science behind these things. And Mulder's in. And he's in because he knows his sister's out there and he's going to keep going. And I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad thing to reaffirm halfway through the season. So, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was good. Okay. Well, I, so hmm, I'm not going to rate it as high as I rated Colony. I'm going to do the opposite. Okay. It just, like, it was fine. It had, we talked about this with, the hand de Verlitz of how like Morgan and Wong like to have their set pieces and they just throw everything in there kind of thing. And that's what this one felt like to me. We need to get all these key things into the episode. And so there's like, this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens. And like individually, some of them are great. And some of them are kind of like, eh. but like none of them seem to have the weight that, this two-parter seemed to build that it was going to. And honestly, at the end of this episode, we are in really no different place than we were before this episode started. Because like Sam is still gone. Well, was like, I gotta find my sister. Yeah, they both have some knowledge they didn't have before, but like we're still like, you know, nothing has really been achieved, I guess. And it just seemed like all these set pieces, like I said, like individually, a lot of them work, like you said, like the fight scene, that kind of stuff. But like everything also was resolved super quickly because they had so many things they had to squeeze in, which seems ironic because you had a two-parter and yet they like did all this stuff. And also a lot of things that they kind of did were just repeats of what happened in the last episode. And so I am going to give this a... Uh, let's see. I have a big gap in all my episodes, so I'm trying to figure out where I want to slot this. <laughs> There's a big gap between like my fours and my sevens. I don't have anything in between. I have I have fours, I have sevens, and I have like an eight and a nine. I have a three. I have a zero. Where would this fit? Let's see. Hmm. I'm gonna put this in. I'm actually gonna put this in where I put. I said Colony was the episode that Erlenmeyer Flask should have been. Mm-hmm. And I think this was, if Erlenmeyer Flask could have been part one, this would have been what would have followed. And so I'm going to give this a five because that's what I gave okay. Erlenmeyer Flask. So that makes sense. Yep. So I like the first episode. I think the first episode hit a lot better. The second part seemed to be rehashing. And then just seemed to be a lot of, a lot of good scenes, but then the resolution was quick boom and then yeah, we're on to the next thing was. and then the resolution was quick and then boom we're on to the next thing and then like there wasn't any big payoff at the end so 
you could argue Mulder getting his faith back as a payoff, but I didn't know he'd actually lost it. So until yeah, he told me he I had. think yeah, that's true. I mean, there isn't. I'm trying to think of what happened right before this. I mean, we did get. I mean, the closest was that he decided he was going to leave when he saw the Sam's. He's like, I'm going to walk out of here. But then the alarm goes off, and so then he pulls his gun and goes. And so it's like, well, are you leaving or are you going to try and like, you know? intercepts the well, assassin I mean, because he pulls his gun. If there's immediate danger, so, I think that's not necessarily going out of your way to help these people if there's immediate danger. Yeah. But I do think he did kind of put his foot down. And like I think he was probably really I mean there's there's a lot that's not resolved like in terms of like he finds out that the Sam was not Sam and also there's all these clones. And again, we don't even we know they're saying she's alive. We don't know if that's related to these clones or not. Like how they obviously knew enough about her to take her identity, but did they take her DNA? We don't know. And I'm sure that's at some point, but they wouldn't be clones of her. But yeah, assuming they are clones of her, we don't know that though. And so it's one of those things we don't get that answer. And then Mulder, like it's got to feel like a huge slap in the face. Like these people just straight up lied to you about your, you know, being your sister and because they wanted your help. So yeah, I don't know. It's a rough. I think I feel like he and Scully do have a pretty good character arc in this this two-part episode, but like it's not huge and I think that's the thing is like with a series like this, it can't be too huge because you can't move the needle that much without changing the premise or the series yeah. too. too I know, much. just like going to call it Endgame and you're going to make it a two-parter. <laughs> it's like I mean, they didn't even defeat Thanos, so like no. what the heck? No. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Scully's arc is like, I'm victim hero again, unfortunately. But yeah, I don't like that she's kidnapped again. I think she gets more out of it this time. But like, it is like the third, third time in a row, almost. Like pretty close. Yeah. Like she is getting not. <laughs> I mean, this one didn't. It didn't bother me as much because at least like the villain had a good reason to target Scully specifically, but still it does suck that it's always her, you know, and then it happened. If, if this was the only time it wouldn't even matter, but the fact that it just keeps happening this season is not a good trend. It's not a good look guys. Yeah. Cause this would be what, this would be the fourth time, I guess. If we count Dwayne Barry and Ascension as one, then we would have, that would be one. And then we have, Irresistible would be two. Mm -hmm. And then I guess we could count Fresh Bones, maybe. Um, because yeah. she does get spiked. I don't know if that was really targeting her. I think it was more of targeting them. And she Yeah, I think it was her spiked. and Mulder. But like but... the dude does try and strangle her. So it wasn't like they were they were targeting her. So this is like three or four, depending on how you're counting in the season. Yeah. Well, and Tombs right. attacked her in season one, and like it's just yeah. Yeah, but I was just thinking like since she's been missing, I was counting from there. Oh, oh yeah, even yeah. just from there. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's not great. So yeah. anyway, not great for Scully. <laughs> so in the span of less than ten episodes, she's been something happened like at least three to four times. So yeah, yeah. Woof! Not a good couple months or month or week, depending on how you look at the timeline. Yeah. And they made her run all over the place in Excelsis Day after she had a kid, and they didn't give her a good bra, and that was probably not pleasant. <laughs> so. Anyway, yep. All righty. Shut her down. All right. It's well, the that end was... game. It was the end game. 
now it's over. So I guess that's the end of the season. No, wait. No, it's not. <laughs> eight more to go. Eight, is it eight? I can't do math at this moment. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yes, eight more episodes yep. to go for the end of nice. the season. I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios. Episode production design and editing is by Lazy and Productions. Our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. And the truth is what we make of it by the Agrarians. You can find us at IWantToRewatch.com or wherever podcasts are found. Be sure to subscribe and rate and review on your favorite podcast app if you can. And you can always share this podcast with a friend. If they like the X-Files, we'd love to have them join us. Yep. Speaking of which, you can check us out next he's <laughs> off script everybody next time we're watching season two of the x-files episode 18 fearful cemetery and trying to figure out if, if the, the truth, truth is still out there the truth is what we make of it audio may kind of internet out a little bit it's still listenable too she's just gonna sound like maybe a robot periodically so yeah i think you might as well to be honest because okay. you did do that a couple times when you were talking that not for... was not the internet that was me but... <laughs> oh well hopefully it doesn't show up too much okay <laughs> yeah i'm not bleep bloop bleep bloop Bleep bloop. I'm a robot. I don't know. Community. Like, I don't know. Bleep bloop for me, too. I don't know. I've watched the community Christmas episodes way too many times. They're just in my head now all the time. Okay. But yeah, it's still listenable. Just. Yeah. It's better than episode three, Squeeze, when I didn't plug a <laughs> mic in. Trust me. So. <laughs> but if there's a little glitchiness, sometimes we apologize. Yeah. Enjoy the episode. Yeah. Oh, and then I'm supposed to start the freaking episode. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right.